Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time joining us, uh, good morning. My name is John Grippa. I am the lead pastor around here. Appreciate you coming on out. By coming on out, I mean sitting on your couch, but just giving us a little bit of your time this Sunday morning or whenever you do get a chance to watch or listen. Now, before I forget, before we go a step further, I just want to take a moment to wish all the dads out there Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We love you. Um, we are grateful to have you in our lives. We are thankful for everything that you do for us. And I just hope that today is a great day for you, that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. This is your day. Have at it. So today we are in week two of this series that we are calling Better Off. Now, if you weren't here last week, if you didn't get a chance to listen online, that's okay. Not a problem. These weeks don't really build on each other, but let me kind of catch you up to speed as to the conversation that we are having. So the genesis of this series began all the way back in March, sort of six days into quarantine, when the Hollywood celebrities of America came together to encourage the nation by singing John Lennon's very famous song, Imagine. And this beautiful sounding song um, leads us to ask a particular question. And it's a question that has been asked in what I would call increasing frequency in the past decade or so. It's a question that perhaps you may have asked in your past. And it's a question that perhaps maybe you're asking even today. See, the question that, that John Lennon leads us to ask is, are we better off without God? He's saying in this song that, you know, if, if you want to see world peace, everybody get along, then you've got to imagine a couple of things. You have to imagine that there's no heaven. You have to imagine that, that there's no God. And you've got to imagine that there's no religion. So he, he's saying, he's asking this question, are we better off without God? I mean, is he onto something? I mean, if we got rid of God, would we finally have peace in this world instead of war? I mean, if we were to sort of wash our hands of Christianity, walk away from Christianity, would we finally, finally have love in this country instead of hate? Well, in 2016, Harvard University set out to answer this question. And after conducting this huge study, they came to the conclusion that no, no, you are not better off without God. In fact, what they found is that you are better off with God in your life. And they went a step further. They actually found that Christian practices, that Christian practices actually have tremendous physical and mental benefits for the practitioner. I mean, it spanned the spectrum from uh, lower mortality rates over a 15 to 20 year period, better marriages. I mean, the list goes on and on. And if you want to hear more about that, I would encourage you to go on to our website, soflowchurch.com or iTunes or wherever you get podcasts, and you can hear all of those stats that we talked about last week. But based on this Harvard study, what we're doing in this series is we're taking a look at four practices, just four practices that come right out of Scripture that researchers pointed to and said, this right here, this right here will make you better off in life. So this week, I want to chat about what researchers pointed to as being, as what they called sort of at the heart of Christianity. I think that's interesting. 
And this thing that we're going to talk about today is something that scripture challenges us to do. Uh, and science has found that this particular act, and we'll get to it in a second, but this particular act actually has a profound and measurable impact on our mental and physical health, and it impacts the people around us. So today what I want to do is have just a nice little simple casual conversation about gratitude. Gratitude. Now when I talk about gratitude, I'm not just talking about the state of being grateful, but I'm also talking about the, the actual act of giving thanks. So now when science talked about how this idea of gratitude is at the heart of Christianity, what do they mean? Well, they pointed at a couple of things. Number one, they pointed at the fact that Christians, at least here at DHC, this is what we believe, that, that salvation is a free gift from God. And so the bedrock of our faith and who we are as a people is that we are thankful that, of what Jesus did on that cross for us some 2,000 years ago. Additionally, woven all throughout the Old Testament and, and the New Testament is this idea that we really need to be giving thanks to God, and others for that matter, for what they do in our lives and, and, and through our lives. But there was one practice in particular, something that Paul brought up, that science has kind of latched onto. And what they said is, if you do this thing, you'll be better off. Take a look at what Paul said in, in, a, in the book of Thessalonians. He said this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks. This is what they're pointing to. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you hear this, and I think kind of depending on your circumstances, this is, this is the kind of verse that might sting a little bit. I mean, depending on what's going on in your life, this is the kind of verse that can almost feel a little bit insensitive. But you got to remember, Paul, he was not writing this from some ivory tower. Right? Paul was not writing this, uh, you know, from the balcony of some Mediterranean villa sipping on a fine Barolo. I mean, this is a guy who for most of his life was well acquainted with hardship. This is a man who endured multiple arrests, multiple imprisonments, you know, beatings, uh, shipwrecks, what else, sicknesses, physical handicaps. This is a man who was in a near constant threat of execution. And yet, in spite of all that, in the midst of all that, he chose to be thankful. And researchers point to this. They point to this and they go, Paul, he's on to something. In fact, here's what they found. They found this. They found that conscious daily gratitude is literally good for you. I sound like that guy from, from Parks and Recreation. Is literally good for you, right? So what they wanted to find out, these researchers, they wanted to find out, all right, if you took Paul's advice, right? If, if, you, if you were somebody that was going to make the decision, the choice to be grateful in this life, what impact would that have on you? So what they did is they took a thousand participants. They took a thousand participants and they asked these thousand people to keep a daily gratitude journal for three weeks, right? Not for the rest of their life, not for a year, just, just three weeks. Now imagine for a moment that you had to do this. In fact, let's just do a quick exercise. Take five seconds, just I want to take five seconds, and I want you to think of one thing that you're grateful for today, 
Just one thing. Take five seconds. Okay, that's five seconds. That felt like a lifetime. <laughs> okay? I bet you thought of something, didn't you? I bet some of you thought of something almost immediately. I bet some of you may have, okay, you struggled a little bit, but, but you found something. You know, maybe you're, 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 you're grateful for the weather today. You're grateful that you finally slept last night, all right? You're, you're grateful for the, maybe the fact that you got a jog in or your family went to breakfast. Whatever the case may be, you thought of something to be grateful for, but the truth is you didn't think of it until I asked you, right? See, I think all of us are actually very grateful people, but sometimes it just takes a little bit of work to remember what we're grateful for. So these researchers went to a thousand people and they said, all right, we need you to do just that. Every single day, think about what you're grateful for for three weeks. And after three weeks, the results that they found was profound. They had not expected what they found. What they found was this. Those that actually completed the journals had many, many, many physical benefits. What they found was that it actually lowered their blood pressure. Believe that? They had a more restful sleep. They had fewer aches and pains. And this is just three examples. I mean, the list was like this long. I could only fit three things on the slide. They also found that those who chose to practice gratitude had mental benefits. They found that they had increased positivity, meaning uh, more positive emotions, I think they said. Um, more joy, more optimism. It actually said that they had more pleasure. Now, I don't know what that's about. I don't really want to know, to be honest with you, but that was on the list too. Now, lastly, one of the things that they found that I don't think they were expecting, and nor were I, they found that those who chose to practice gratitude had tremendous social benefits as well. They found that they were more generous, more helpful, and less lonely. Now, I found this last thing to be most interesting, this, this idea of social benefits. I found this to be the most interesting findings of, of, the, of the whole study. Because what this did for me is this begins to paint a picture of how gratitude impacts other people. This begins to show the sort of social implications of what it means to be thankful. Now, as I was sort of thinking about this message on gratitude, there really is a lot of ways that we could you know, cover this topic. I mean, there are a number of proverbs that we can look at. I could take a look at various teachings from Paul, including the one that we already read today, but I think what would work best for us as a church is if we today dialed in on this sort of social aspect of, of being grateful. Because the truth is, every single one of us is in some kind of relationship, aren't we? I mean, some of us are married, some of us are dating, we have a parent-child relationship, we have friendships, we have co-workers, and according to science and backed up by the scripture, the more grateful we are, the better off our relationships will be. So, I was looking at this list, right? Take a look at this list. And if gratitude made you more generous, if gratitude made you uh, more helpful and made you less lonely, then I, it's almost like the opposite is true. That if you are less grateful, or perhaps if you are ungrateful, that would mean that you would be less generous, that you would be less helpful, and you would be more lonely. So for a moment, let's kind of follow that line of reasoning and, and tease that out a little bit. So let me ask you a question. Did you ever meet someone 
Or perhaps do you know someone that you might describe as being mm, ungrateful? Okay, yeah, we all, we all know somebody that's ungrateful. We've all met somebody that's ungrateful. Now, the interesting thing about ingratitude, if you will, is that it is a quality or a characteristic, however you want to describe it. It's a quality that is almost impossible to see in yourself. It's almost like someone that is ingrateful, or ungrateful, sorry, is, is blind to that. And it's interesting because, you know, we can see anger in ourselves. We know when we're angry. We know when we're sad. I think we know when we're jealous, although that's a kind of a difficult one to pick up on sometimes. But we can't seem to discern when we're being ungrateful. Now, here's something else. If someone tells you that you are ungrateful, what happens? You jump down their throat, don't you? You jump down their throat and, and you come to your own defense. And I think the reason that we get so bothered when someone says that you're being ungrateful is that we believe, right? We think that they're accusing us of not feeling grateful. And it's kind of like, whoa, 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 buddy, 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 you are, listen, okay, you're way off base. I mean, I am a very, very grateful person. And in almost a nanosecond, we begin to pull up the high, highlight reel in our mind we, uh, of all the things that we're grateful for, of all the people that we're grateful for, right? And by the time that we're done reviewing the tape, so to speak, we have reinforced our belief that we are, in fact, a very grateful person. Why? Because you have grateful thoughts and, and you have grateful feelings. And yet... In spite of your being convinced that you are a grateful person, your spouse or your friend or your coworker is saying, mm, no, you're ungrateful. So where's the disconnect? Why, why aren't we seeing that? See, the truth is, I think we could spend the rest of our lives in these key relationships and be ungrateful and never see it. Okay, so, so now one of the interesting things that this study pointed out is that gratitude generates generosity. Gratitude generates generosity. Now, what they've showed is that when you have gratitude in your life, it not only makes you more generous, but it actually makes those around you more generous as well. I mean, think about this for a second. Think about a time when you were generous to somebody. Right? You did something nice for someone, you bought someone a gift, and they gave you a great reaction, and they were grateful, and maybe they wrote you a thank you letter, and what happened? You felt great, and you actually wanted to be more generous to that person. I got a friend, his best friend, and, and uh, his daughter is, is my goddaughter. And, and here's the thing. Whenever you buy this family, or whenever you buy this little girl a gift, they give you a phenomenal it's just the best, right? It's so great when you give someone something and they give you a great reaction. Well, that's this family and that's this girl. Now, Kelly, the mother, my friend, she does something that she probably doesn't even know that she does. It could be five, six months down the line. And out of the blue, you'll get a text message with a picture of Bianca using this toy and it says, she loves this toy so much. And you get this text out of the blue, and it's like, wow. I mean, you feel you feel appreciated. You're so grateful that they appreciate it. It's just, it's a wonderful feeling, and it makes you want to be more generous. It's it just, it's just fantastic. But the opposite is also true. Let me ask you this. 
Have you ever given someone a gift and the reaction wasn't, shall we say, great? All right? Now, I don't mean those individuals that are, you know, a little awkward at receiving gifts. I, I, that's just sort of a byproduct of being shy. That's easy to spot. That's, that's not a big deal. I mean, you went out of your way to do something nice for some person, right? Let's say you got them a gift. You went out of your way to do something nice for some person. And not only did they almost show no appreciation for what you did, they almost complain about the gift. Or, or worse, they almost receive it with a sense of entitlement. It's sort of like, you should be doing this for me. You, you should be getting me these things. And what happened? You walked away going, well, that's the last time I do anything for that person. Isn't that the case? And if you felt that way, you were not alone. In fact, researchers found that ingratitude can actually shut down relationships. In a study that was looking at newlyweds and sort of tracking the impact of gratitude in their relationships, what they found is that if there was one person in the relationship that, let's say, failed to communicate gratitude, what it actually did was make this other person in the relationship less likely to contribute to the relationship. You following me? Now, unfortunately, some of you have probably seen this in your own life. I mean, there's a person that, that, that you care for, and this person begins to send signals, whether they realize it or not, they start to send signals that, you know, they don't appreciate you, or, or, or that they don't appreciate sort of what you're doing, and it affects you. It affects how generous you are with your time and your involvement and even your emotions. And yet this ungrateful partner of yours has no clue this is going on. They, they, they are unable to connect this sort of growing distance in your relationship to their lack of gratitude because they believe they are being grateful. So for the remainder of this time, what I want to do is I want to zone in on this disconnect. I want to zone in this disconnect between the belief that, that we are grateful and others' perception that we are not. So to do this, I want to look at a piece of scripture. I want to look at an account out of the life of Jesus, and it's an account that we have never looked at before in the history of DHC, and it's a great little story, and it takes place in Luke chapter 17. Take a look at this. It says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. It continues. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So, a couple of things going on here that I just want to put on your radar. Number one, let's talk about leprosy. <clears throat> if you're unfamiliar with leprosy, leprosy is a horrendous, horrendous disease. It is one of the worst diseases out there. Um, it was just, at this time, considered to be just wildly contagious. It's a disease that would ravage the human body. And if you came down with leprosy, you would be outcast from society. You, you would live out in the wilderness. Many people sort of uh, lepers would live together in what was historically known as a leper colony. You perhaps have heard this term and thought it was a bunch of leopards living together. No, these are individuals that have um, leprosy. Um, but something else about this verse. There's an interesting little fact hidden in this verse that we as 
not just modern Americans, but just modern humans don't pick up on. Let me highlight it so you can see it. It says, they, meaning the ten men, cried out together in a loud voice. What is that about? What is that about? Well, science has learned that leprosy not only attacks the skin, but many, many times attacks the larynx. And so when a person comes down with leprosy, it often enables them from even speaking, or if they can speak, their vocal cords are so damaged. And so what we see here is that in order for Jesus to hear these guys, these 10 men had to come together in one voice in order to speak loud enough that he could hear them. And I just imagine them being like, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's fascinating. And we miss this. Continues. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. Now, what is this about? Right? It seems to kind of come out of the book. Well, every once in a while, people would get better from leprosy. I mean, if I remember correctly, leprosy is, uh, I think it's a bacterial infection. So every once in a while, people would be healed. Just, you know, I don't know why. They would just be healed from leprosy. And when they got healed, they'd have to go to the temple. They'd have to present themselves to the priest. The priest would sort of check them out. All right, you look good. Stand for approval. You can come back into society. And so what Jesus is saying here to these guys is, hey, I want you to go to the priest and show yourself, which is a slightly odd command because he ain't done nothing yet. I mean, Jesus has not healed these guys yet. So why is he telling them to go to the temple? Well, he's asking them to walk by faith. He's saying, if you really believe that I am who I say that I am, then I want you to go right now. When you're not healed, I want you to go to the temple. And so they did. And as they went, it says, they were cleansed. They were cured of leprosy through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is where the story gets interesting. This is why we are reading this today. Take a look at what it says. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. I want to see how observant you are. Do you notice anything of note here? Excellent. You're very smart people. That's why you come to this church, right? It says that he was able to praise God in a loud voice. Now that he had been healed, he himself, by himself, can praise the Lord, and he is using this newly healed vocal cord to praise the Lord. It's amazing. For the first time in who knows how long, this guy's skin was clear. He can speak. He has no pain. He, he is welcomed back in society. Um, he can go hug his kids and, and kiss his wife. And, and Luke tells us that this man threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. They just added that on. This guy, this guy wasn't even Jewish. And he's just throwing himself all over Jesus. Now, Knowing Jesus' track record and seeing, so we've kind of seen this sort of thing before where people throw their feet at Jesus, I imagine that Jesus stooped down to this man and, and kind of lifted him up and maybe brushed his hair away and, and just kind of gave the guy a, a hug. And all the while, this man is probably just, just crying out, thank you, God, thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. I mean, I am, I am so grateful for what you've done. You have given me my life back. You have given me, you know, you have given me my family back. You have given my kids their dad back. You've given my, my wife her husband back. I can never thank you enough for what you have done for me. It's an amazing scene. But then Jesus asks just kind of an awkward question. It says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Uh, where are the other nine? I mean, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, Jesus points out that something is wrong with this picture. Something, something has been left unfinished. Now, as we hear this story, sort of our logical conclusion is that, well, the other nine were ungrateful, right? I mean, this guy was grateful. He came back. The other nine, they were not grateful, so they, they, they didn't come back. Now, the interesting thing is, we wouldn't really think about this story as, as one being about gratitude, but for the one guy coming back, right? In fact, there are many gospel accounts of Jesus healing many, many people who never come back, never, never even given thanks, and it's not even a part of the narrative. It's just, it's just, just not spoken about. But because one man came back in a group of ten to give thanks, we are now led to conclude that the others are not grateful. See, here's what I believe. And I'm actually reaching into the story at this point, so just be mindful of that. But I actually believe that if we were able to chase down those other nine guys, if we kind of ran after them down that you know, dirt road and go, wait, 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 stop, 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 guys, 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 wait, 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 question, 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 question. Are you grateful? I think those nine lepers should be go, they go, yes, oh my gosh, are we grateful? Yeah, we are. I mean, we are so grateful. We cannot wait to go home and show our families and, and, and show our friends. I mean, those nine lepers, I truly believe, had gratitude in their hearts. They had gratitude in their thoughts. They had gratitude in their emotions. But meanwhile, Jesus is back over there with the one guy going, weren't there ten? Weren't there 10? See, something was left undone. See, those nine lepers, those nine lepers are dealing with the same problem that we all struggle with. See, they felt gratitude, but they didn't express gratitude. I looked at several sort of um, independent studies on how gratitude impacts relationships, and they all concluded that it's one thing to feel gratitude, but you've got to tell the other person about that gratitude if you actually wanted to make a difference in that relationship. And this is where we all trip ourselves up, isn't it? Because we all do really, truly feel grateful, don't we? I mean, we tell our boss how grateful we are for our wife, right? Kids, you, 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 you tell your teachers how thankful you are for your parents. Mom, you've told your kids how grateful you are for, for their dad. You have told every single person about how you feel, except that one person. Except that one person. And there could be someone in your life right now, in your house, on the couch, sitting right next to you, asking, Weren't there 10? Weren't there 10? See, I think the principle that we learn from this is that 
unexpressed gratitude communicates in gratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates in gratitude. And this is where it gets tricky. Because unexpressed gratitude is real gratitude. I mean, I am really thankful. I believe that I am thankful. And I can talk about all the people and things that I am grateful for. If you kind of pin me down and, and ask me to articulate that in a daily gratitude journal. But when you don't communicate gratitude, that omission, it communicates the opposite. See, when you say nothing, it makes others believe you feel nothing. And when they believe you feel nothing, it makes them feel unappreciated. unappreciated. One psychologist called this uh, the poison of ingratitude. Because whether you realize it or not, unexpressed gratitude communicates rejection. You see this a lot in marriages. In fact, I would even extend this to the entire family unit, sort of parents and children as well. Sociologists will say that when people live together, particularly in a home, all right, we sort of, as humans, naturally begin to settle into what we would call our job around the house, all right? We all have sort of our jobs around the house. One person does the cooking, one person takes the trash out, one person cleans up the yard, one person does the pool, if you have a pool, or one person, well, you know, we all have our jobs. And, and when it comes to your job, you probably don't love your job, but you do your job because you love your family. And what begins to happen over time, if we're not careful, is we start to take each other for granted. We fail to realize that even though it's, you know, let's sort of say, even though it's, you know, your job to cook, the truth is you do it for me as an act of love. Even though it's your job to take out the trash, it's really an act of love for the family. And even if we are truly grateful that our spouse or our parent or our child does these things around the house, when we fail to express our thankfulness, what we're quietly communicating is, I'm not thankful for you. After all, you're my wife. It's what you should do. After all, you're my husband. It's what you should do. After all, you're my parents. You're my child. It's what you should do. And when we do this, we appear ungrateful and entitled, and they feel hurt, and they feel rejected, and they feel something that you never intended them to feel. Because you are thankful for them, and you do appreciate them. But my old manager, one time, he said, you know what, John? Perception is reality. And this perfectly describes, it perfectly describes why two spouses can have two wildly different experiences in a marriage. Because in your mind, you're grateful for what your spouse does. But if gratitude isn't expressed, it doesn't exist, and they perceive your failure to say thank you, they, they, they um, perceive your uh, failure to say I appreciate you, as in gratitude. And that becomes their reality. Weren't there 10? So, we've talked about what unexpressed gratitude can communicate. But 
What does expressed gratitude communicate? Love, appreciation, worth. I think, it, I think it expresses belonging and recognition and partnership and respect. But this week I was thinking about this question. And I think there's one thing that expressed gratitude communicates, perhaps more than anything else, at least in mind. I think expressed gratitude communicates humility. That you make a difference in my life. That I wouldn't be who I am and where I am and, and what I am without you. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. I am grateful for who you are and, and what you've done. And ultimately, I think that's Jesus' challenge in this passage. I, I think he's reminding us to be like that one leper that returned. I think he's challenging us to return back to those that have poured into our lives, to recognize them, to recognize what they've done, and to say, thank you. Now, this truth might feel elementary. This sermon, it might feel simple, but there could be someone in your life right now asking, one of their ten? And by making it a habit to verbally express what you already feel in terms of gratitude, it may be the one thing that saves that relationship, that, that heals that marriage and rescues that friendship. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So, I want to give you just a prompt, just something to begin to think about today and this week. Here it is. To whom do you owe a debt of gratitude? To whom do you owe a debt of gratitude? Who in your home? Who at work? In your community? Have it in your extended family? I mean, there are so many wonderful people that have helped us, that have been generous to us, that have enabled us to become the people that we are. Whom do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Will you be the one? Will you be the one to return and say out loud what you already feel in your heart? So what would it look like for you to pick up the phone and make a call and say, hey, thank you? What would it look like for you to, to write a note of thanks to, to someone? What would it look like for you, before you shut Facebook down, before you close your phone, before you close the computer, to turn to the person sitting right next to you and say, I should have said this a long time ago. Or, I, you know, I haven't said this enough. Or, I have never said this before, but thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you. Now, one last thing. I want to put on your radar before we're done. Jesus spoke about the importance of, of, of returning to give praise and thanks to God. Um, a couple years ago, I saw this Christian poster, you know, at the time with like two footprints, that kind of a thing. Um, 
I saw this Christian poster, but this one, I'm gonna say, honestly rocked my world when I saw it. And here's the question that it posed. It said this, what if you woke up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? Now, if there was ever something that was deserving of a Christian moan of affirmation, this is that thing, right? This is a, mm, right? This, I don't know about you, but when I saw this, I was just unbelievably convicted by it. So let me ask you, how often do you pray and then go back to sort of close the loop? I mean, how often do you actually thank God for what you've prayed for? How often are you thanking God for your family? and your job, and your health, and your vacation, and, and, and your weather. I mean, the truth of the matter is this. We have no clue what sort of, what is happening around us because of the hand of God in our life. We just don't. We have no clue about the dangers that God has, has kept us from. We have no idea about what God is choreographing in our lives so that we can be who we are, and live what we live, and, and have what we have, and achieve what we have achieved. And wouldn't it be amazing wouldn't it be amazing to be known as the church that perhaps above all else, to be known as being unbelievably grateful to God for all he has done in our lives. I think that would be amazing. So let me pray for this. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to take this moment to thank you publicly, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. I want to thank you that we have the opportunity to come together, even if it's over the internet, to continue to give you praise and glory, that we have the opportunity to, to study your scriptures and to learn, Lord. And I pray that today. I pray that today that we all might be challenged to exhibit and express more gratitude in our lives. Not just because it's the right thing to do and because it's good for us, Lord, but because it is so beneficial to those around us to lift them up and encourage them, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that every single one of us can begin to say thank you to those around us, to those we love, and that we can do this because we know that your son died for us on that cross. We thank you, Lord. We put all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.